1: Hello again, everyone, this is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Today, I've invited a a former guest to come back on this show and continue the great discussion we had. His name is Roy Osing, And the the title of our last show, it it has become one of my most often viewed shows, probably because of the title. It's called, Be Different or Be Dead. And I know that's pretty in your face, but uh, it, it's a uh, it's a great message, and Roy's got some powerful thoughts about it. So, Roy, welcome back, my friend.
0: Hey, Doug, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: So, for those who may randomly grab this and and have, will have not heard our first episode, let, let's just spend a minute and kind of recap this this thing you call be different or be dead. Give, give us that backstory again, just to, to remind everybody.
0: Yeah. So the, the whole, the whole notion behind be different or be dead is in a word differentiation because Mike, I concluded a long, long time ago that notwithstanding the fact that the world is more competitive, customers have more power, technology is more complicated, regulations are changing every nanosecond you would think that businesses in general would get a would do a better job of differentiating themselves from their their competitors. In other words, answering the question, why should I do business with you and not your competitor? My my observation a long time ago, we talked about this before, was that there's a lot of improvement that can be made. I I use hard words like I think differentiation is is really being done in a mediocre fashion generally by businesses, and there's a reason for that. The reason for that is, is is, they all use words like I'm better, I'm best, I'm number one, I'm the market leader. And the reality is to a customer, that really doesn't mean a hell of a lot. They use a lot of aspirations, you know, it's very well to be in business to save the home planet, but sooner or later that's got to degenerate down into a selling proposition that says specifically, what are you going to do that's different from your competitor? And so into that space, it occurred to me that that we needed to find a solution and this is old news for me I mean I've been working on this stuff since well before 2009 and the notion was that if you can't find a way to differentiate yourself or be different okay in a way that people care about from your competitors you're going to be dead okay in other words As a business, you're not gonna make it because you'll just simply be part of the herd and nobody will have a good reason to buy from you as opposed to somebody else. The value you offer will be no different than everybody else. And the ultimate consequence of that is pretty serious. Businesses go out of business, people lose their jobs because this kind of thing, Doug, as we discussed, can be applied to your career just as much as it can be applied to, to an organization. And so um, the, the be different kind of mantra or my brand simply tries to describe the need to step out, not fit in, in a way that people care about. And I always have to underscore this. This isn't about being different for the sake of being different. This isn't about the color of your hair or your sexual preferences or your pronouns. It's figuring out a way to be unique in serving what people care about. That's the whole pocket for this 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 piece of work. A lot of people think, well, you know, okay, I'll change the color of this and that, and that. No, no, no. It's not about. It's not about what you think of yourself. It's not about narcissism. It's about how you serve others in a unique way, and and with the ultimate consequence that really, if we're not successful, it's going to be a bad outcome. It really, and you can see it all over the place. And so that's the notion, and I've created all sorts of ways of coming at, uh, at solving that problem. And that's kind of been my work over the last several years.
1: So uh, as I go through that, uh, two key thoughts emerge for me. One is, and I deal with this a lot in the entrepreneurial space, people trying to define what they're doing and, and trying to create their, their brand image, their statement of purpose, vision, mission, all that stuff. And the the typical traditional approach is if an entrepreneur can afford it, he goes out and hires a marketing agency to spin up and, and put a campaign together. And inevitably, at least in my recent experience, nine times out of ten, what the marketeers do, they say, all right, let's explore the customer journey. You know, Dear Entrepreneur, you're not the hero of this story. The customer is the hero. And, you know, Donald Miller's made a big deal out of that with his story brand marketing. And and I don't disagree with that, by the way, but I'm saying people go a long way in that effort to try to focus on what they think is the customer journey, so-called customer journey. Uh, You know, how does a customer think about this service? How do they get to a decision point of buying or not? And what do you do to overcome the questions? And I, I often find clients who have engaged in that effort, they end up getting bogged down because they can't help but try to start describing the step-by-step process or the step-by-step attribute of the service and again, that gets to the narcissistic description of things. You know, I'm great because, you know, um, so, so how does, it, or I guess my question is, does that fit in at all to the, the methodology you're talking about?
0: Well, I've, I've had to create my own process to actually get to a solution to this. And, and I'll give you the solution that I came up with is a concept which I call the only statement. It's the ability to declare what what you are the only ones at. In other words, it's formed by saying we are the only ones who. We're not better, we're not best, we're not number one. We're the only. And so only is a binary concept. It either exists or it doesn't exist. It can be observed. It can be measured. It can be demonstrated. The way I get to that is through what I call my strategic game planning process, which is really kind of like a revolutionary way to look at building a business plan but it's completely different than traditional kind of approaches. And it's different because it's built to execute. The model is built to execute, not spend months trying to figure out and and perfect the journey end state. You know, because in the meantime, the world's changing and people are bypassing. So it's all based on get the plan just about right and execute it better than anybody else in the market. And you will actually win because you'll learn along the way, Doug, whether or not you know, the end state you, you, uh, you, you hypothesized about at the very beginning is in fact where you need to end up. So here, let me just give you a quick overview. And by the way, you can do this in, in 48 hours, okay? I do this with clients all the time. Build a, st- a strategic game plan, complete with a, a really cool differentiation statement in 48 hours. It's built around answering three questions. The first question is how big do you wanna be? That's a question of where do you want your revenues to be in 24 months? If you're at 1 million, do you want to be at 10? Or do you want to be at five? Or do you want to be at two? The reason I start with that is the number describes the character and the risk profile as a strategy. Not the other way around. Not building a strategy and looking for economics because generally you look at that and say, oh shoot, they're not good enough. Change the assumptions without changing the strategy. It's crazy, right? So I get the kids off the street, What number do you want? The strategy and the differentiation uh, approach is based on how big do you want to be in 24 months, not not five years, because the fifth year never shows up. Okay, And don't forget, this whole approach is built to execute. You can't execute today in the fifth year. It's physically, (laughs) you just can't do it. All right, so let's suppose we got the how big. The second says, where are you going to get the money? Where are you going to get the revenue? So this is all about who do you want to serve. The who work is exceedingly important because it's not about mass markets. It's not about products and services. It's about defining those finite, minimal number of customer groups that have the latent potential to deliver your revenue. Okay, this work, okay, is where the the real meat happens because this is where you take a deep dive. Let me give you an example. Let's suppose you des- you des- decided on three customer groups that we're gonna allow you to satisfy your growth goals. What you do is you take a deep dive in each of those segments to try and discover what they care about, not what they need. This isn't a product and service journey. This is what do they care about, okay? And I'll actually give you a, an example later on of a recent engagement that was just super in this respect. This is where the customer hard work comes in, okay? What do they care about? What do they covet? What do they lust for? What do they desire Okay, as a customer segment? The next step says, okay, within that customer group or three, as we just discussed, how are you gonna compete and win? This is where the only statement is created. It's not created as a general pontification of what you think you are to the mass market. It's what do you have to be to serve those customers you just targeted in a way that nobody else does. And so it's really focused, okay? And so when we end up getting an only statement for a client, it's not based on their perception of how they're going to address the market. It's based on what do they have to be in a unique way to serve what people care about in the customer segments that have the latent demand to satisfy their revenue growth goals. And so quite often we end up having to reframe their business because they're not unique at what they have to be in order to satisfy what people care about. And so that piece of work is pretty cool. takes about a couple of days to unfold. And the beauty is it just unleashes this incredible magic because now the warriors in the business are focused on the important things, not on the things that other people say you should be
1: doing. I think there there's definitely a risk of people entering a business segment or industry or trade or or specialty and immediately succumbing to the idea, well, you're just like everybody else. Uh, I'll give you an example. We were in the uh, in the green room, we were talking about an engagement that I've gotten worked into that is on one hand it has a big component that involves business brokers the people that are trying to facilitate the buying and selling of businesses and and that's a pretty you know dominant sector in in the modern world especially in the entrepreneurial world <clears throat> and and there's a lot of commonality in there there and, and it's it's very much a commodity business it's it's not two very dissimilar from residential real estate brokers and, and, and agents. You get a listing, you put it up for sale, you entertain prospective buyers and you knock around and uh, you might make a match. And all of a sudden, one day a deal happens, you go to closing, everybody gets their money and you know on to the next one. Well, that's an incredibly homogenized business offering but if you want to stand up in that space and be something different, you know, there there are a lot of elements that are usually unaddressed. And I, I'm thinking about what you said about the customer need, you know, what does the customer really care about in that event?
0: Well, oh, for, for sure. I mean, that's a, that's a really good, I'll give you an, another example of one that I just finished. Okay, so we have a boat dealer in Toronto, Canada. OK, and they came and he said, look, at, we sell boats and we need to take our business to another level. OK, so I said, fine, let's let's do this work. OK, so what they eventually ended up ended up doing through this whole process of defining how big do you want to be? Who do you want to serve and what do they care about before they ever start to talk about what's your competitive advantage? If you don't do the hard work up front, forget it. You're going to fail. It will not work. So you have to go through that. So they defined they define a hundred key boat dealers, okay, in their markets that they believe had the potential to deliver their growth goals. So when we asked the question, what do they care about? It was an interesting discussion because the first response is "Well, they want high quality boats. I go, oh really? Okay, like you and everybody else provides high quality boats. I said, look it, the boat dealer expects the product to meet specifications. They expect the boat to float. They expect the electronics to work. What do they really care about? Well, that conversation ended up with a conclusion that says what they really care about is they need help growing their business. They need help growing their business. And I said to them, well, okay, let's talk about playing into that space. Okay, because you're not gonna be the only one that sells boats to these dudes. Everybody does, but you might very well choose to be the only one that provides growth uh, advice for a dealer's business that happens to use the boat as an anchor product, would that work? Well, my God, you have no idea the conversation it took. We can't do that. We're not in the finance business, blah, blah, blah. I said, you might not be, but this is the whole point of reframing your business. You may have to reframe it to be partly in there in order to be unique. So this is what they came up with, okay? They came up with a only statement that says, we are the only ones, okay, that will grow your business. And that's what they talk about when they talk about with a boat dealer because there's nobody else in that space. And so they're partnering, okay, with dealers to help them grow their business. Guess what? The dealers went freaking crazy. Are you imagining this? A, a, A boat flogger which we've talked about in the past, people have flogged products, product and service centric, a boat flogger suddenly is in the business development business to help their dealers. Well, of course, I mean, they're crushing it. They're absolutely crushing it. And guess what? Do you think the price of their boats went up or down?
1: Probably went up, yeah.
0: Absolutely went up because they're not in the boat selling business. And so this whole notion of reframing, uh, your competitive advantage thought process away from what you think you are to what you need to be to serve what people care about. Okay. And your target market, that whole process is so important. So fundamentally, so fundamental. And, and the reality is um, very few people understand it and do it because the inertia, okay. Of traditional planning processes is so strong to actually get people to to be willing to step out of that is really hard to do, particularly if you're in the small business sector, right? Where people want to spend time working in their business, they don't think they've got the time to work on their business. I mean, so my pitch to them is give me 48 hours and we'll revolutionize your business. Can you give me two days? And they go, yeah, I get them two days. And Uh, I'll tell you what, best two days worth of investment they've ever made, but it's a complete shift. So does that re- reflect the customer journey? Not, not in the way you described it. It's a completely different dive into, into a very finite group of customers and what they care about. Look at Doug, this business is all about how you feel, not what you get. People expect your product and service to work like you promised. And if you deliver it that way, they're not particularly impressed. Yeah, They go, yeah, okay. Well, you told me it was going to work. It does work. What they're impressed with is how you make them feel during the engagement process forever around that product and service. And so what we did with the boat dealers is actually the whole notion of using words like partner, growing the business, those are heavy words because what we end up doing is unpacking them and, and describing the precise behaviors that every one of those words uh, conveys. And that's where we manage the workforce into those behaviors because it's all about feelings. It's all yeah. about feelings.
1: Yeah. You know, I, as you were describing that, I agree totally. And, and uh, a couple of thoughts that come to mind, the, um, uh, you know, the uh, the brain scientists that have kind of started to enter into the dialogue and leadership development and everything in 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 the sales game they talk about the notion that you have to speak to the limbic brain because that's the emotional side of our brain that's not the rational critical thinking side that says oh let me check off these 10 attributes of this product it's it's the limbic part of the brain that makes the ultimate buying decision and that that to your point that's a very personal almost emotional response to the situation. And um, I'm thinking specifically of a company I just met recently over in Denver. It's It's a plumbing company of all things, residential plumbing. They don't even do commercial of any kind, totally residential. But it's now a $10 million business. And so imagine I mean, kind of do the math in your head how many how many house calls do they have to make to to make ten million dollars a year It's quite a number, but part of the what they've got going on with internally they do some amazing training and development of all their technicians there's There's mandatory training three days a week. These guys are out of the field in the office going through training. And one of those big trainings is customer service. How do you talk to the homeowner when you get there? How do you how do you keep them informed through the course of the project? And how do you leave them when you're done? And part of their stick, because they call themselves High Five Plumbing, part of their ultimate stick is they ask the owner the question, are you happy with what we did today? And if the owner says, yeah, yeah, you guys were good. You know, this was fun. uh, Thanks. And they go, well, would you mind taking a picture with me of us doing a high five? (laughs) And, uh, you know, the owners go, well, yeah, sure. Whatever, whatever, you know, they have a little fun doing it. Well, guess what? The technicians get compensated for how many of those photos they collect. That's number one. And number two, more importantly, when they stratify the outcomes of the customers that did the picture versus those that did not do the picture, the people that did not do the picture, their the callback hostility element is much higher than the ones who did do the picture. Sure. And he said, the ones who will do the picture, the the inevitable callback is something like, Hey, George really tried. I know he worked hard, but this my this thing's still dripping. So could, could you guys come back and check it out? I'm, you know, I'm, I almost feel bad asking you to come back, but it's still dripping. So would you come back and say, well, sure, sure, we'll do that. But it's a whole different customer relation dynamic when you've got that other kind of emotional connection going on with your customers.
0: Well, what it, what it, what it basically says is it's, the product isn't really all that important. Okay. There's other elements of the organization and its people that actually carry the day. All right, the, the ability, I mean, people expect the plumbing job to be done. And if it is great, boom, but that doesn't create loyalty. It's the other stuff around it that you just described. It's how people feel when the work is done, how they feel when they talk to, to employees, how they you know, are, do they get empathy? Do they get respect? Do they actually have employees that like homo sapiens? Okay, I mean, there's a lot of people in customer service that don't like humans. A, they shouldn't be. We know them, right? You know them. They don't want eye contact. They're terrible. And so part of it for me is a a huge recruitment piece. The really successful businesses, they recruit human being lovers. They just do. They can teach them the business, but you can't teach people and train people to love people. You can't. You're either born with it or you're not, right? If you'd rather be writing HTML code, then for God's sakes, don't put them in a customer serving position, because they'll fail and your business will will as well. So, in 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 my view, I mean, we got to we. And this is an awesome story, by the way. The high fives, I love that. That's just like so in my wheelhouse. I mean, these guys, the leadership of this business, understands that it's not about fixing the pipe. And if it is, if there's a screw up, the answer is, of course, we'll come out. Boom. There's no question about it. I got a landscaper that does the same thing, right? He does various things. And I say, look, if it, if this doesn't work, right, what are you going to do? Just give me a call. Come out. I'm here in a, in a heartbeat, right? Those kind of businesses understand they may not be able to articulate it the way you and I are talking about, but they get it. They really get it. It is how people feel about their work, not about the work itself, which is kind of the mundane piece that needs to be done. And yet, when you look around, most organizations compete on what they do, not how they make people feel when they do it. So this reframing, this only approach, this thing, it's all based on feelings. Feelings is a strategic concept, and yet not too many people think about it that way. And so, part of the work I do is 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 really around. Well, how can we create memorable uh, and and delightful experiences? Okay, that make people feel wow, that make them feel terrific, you know, that make them feel like it's been a gasp worthy uh, engagement, <laughs> you know, anything like that that appeals to the right brain. So, I, that's a cool story, Doug. I love that
1: well let's um let's not forget our friends that might be listening that are in the the really direct business to business uh effort of whatever it is they produce and deliver um does any of the, that change if it's if it's not really a a consumer in game or
0: no i mean it it applies to it's b2b b2c not for profits. I mean, the basic idea of figuring out, you know, what you're truly unique at and what people care about, okay, can be done in any kind of business. The nature, okay, of the engagement changes because you may be dealing with a decision maker in one particular, you know, function of an organization, whereas it's the owner in a small business, but the same principles, the same principles apply. It gets a little more complicated from a leadership point of view, but it's the same process. Uh, and you, what I end up doing is kind of modifying it a little bit just based on the requirements that a larger organization may have. But the the, the fundamental thought process, exactly the same. Exactly the
1: same. <clears throat> well, not to sound like I, I I tossed you a trick question, but the, the thing that was going through my mind is even in the B2B realm, Guess what? There's still a human on the other side of the table making the decision, and and you might exactly be talking right. about a, a a ten million dollar transaction on a on a wholesale load of uh, fuel oil or something, but you're, that decision point is still being made by another human being.
0: Exactly, and they have they have issues that they care about. So what you need to do is you need to discover those. Okay, you need to discover them. I mean, I, I, we, I have an example of a situation that was just unbelievable. In the day, we uh, we had this huge hotel in downtown Vancouver, and we we uh, we strategically, I, I'm being facetious. We put them out of business. We had a we had a communications network breakdown. This guy is out for two hours. He's got no communication service whatsoever. Right? Busy, busy hotel. So he phones me, gets through to me, because I always answered, you know, customer. And he gets a hold of me and he just absolutely crucifies me on the phone. The good news is I I talked to him, et cetera. And, and of course, what are you going to do about it? Blah, 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 blah. Well, I happened to to uh I got a hold of the salesperson and I said, okay, what I want you to do is tell me what this guy cares about. Okay, I use different terminology in this. So what's the secrets? Same thing. Well, you know, what are the things that that you know people would not know uh, normally know about him, a- and uh, we started working on that. So to make a long story short, we go down, we see this guy. The guy's name's Michael. First thing I do is I apologize. Okay, I'm so sorry. Blah 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 blah. Here's a check for twenty five thousand dollars. Boom! Right off the bat, lawyers still haven't got over that. Here's what it is: compensation because we put you out of business. We get that. Here's a twenty five k, and oh by the way, here's a gift. Would you care to open a gift? So he opens a gift. And here's, remember those old candlestick phones that we used to have back in the day? So I happen to know, we happen to know through his executive assistant that this guy has been coveting one of these candlestick phones for ages. He just wouldn't buy them because he was too cheap, right? We, bu- I get him a candlestick phone. He opens the thing up and he goes, oh, I got goosebumps just thinking about it because I was watching him. He's drained. He is so surprised and so excited. That ended the whole thing, okay? It ended the whole thing. The moral of the story is, if you can figure out what that corporate dude, in this case, he was the president, what he cared about, and when things go wrong or when things are going right and when you need him, you actually pull those things out of the drawer to use them. I mean, loyalty goes through the roof. I mean, referrals go through the roof. He talked us up. For like, he never forgot about that, Doug. It was just like, he said, oh my God, can you believe it? Well, that's the sort of language. That's a high five of a different nature. And I tell that story because it's also a great example of what you can do to build loyalty when you screw a customer over. But it's the same principle, right? Appeal to the feeling, learn what they care about, play into that. And it's magic.
1: Well, and and you know what what I'm thinking about there is the whole idea that um, everybody wants a guy or or, or a lady or a, you know a, a go-to person in a in an area. I'm trying to be socially correct here. I know. And, uh, <clears throat> but in my day we call it i know a guy you know i know a guy i got a guy and typically we see that among neighbors you know plumbers electricians yard men and all that oh yeah you need my guy i'll, I'll call my guy he'll come take care of you you know but i think that is so true in business and if if you can position yourself to become your ideal customers that's key i mean i'm hearing i'm I'm Playing back what you've tried to preach here, you, you got to know who your ideal customers are. But if among your ideal customers, if you can become their person, their company to deliver this solution, then you, you've you've reached a gold standard in in opportunity.
0: There's no question, and one of the difficulties is that leaders generally, and I'm going to be general, I'm going to speak generally on this. Most leaders don't get this. They don't consider that having that relationship with another senior executive to be their guy, or or like uh, like uh, uh, what's her face uh, on on Grey's Anatomy, be your person. They don't get that. Yeah, right. It's too tough. It's too hard. It t- requires so much time. The relationship build, and oh my God, to have somebody scream down your throat when things don't go well. Most people want to avoid that because it's painful. And yet, you know, that's the that's the juice. Of loyalty—that's the secret sauce of building a loyal customer base. And I try and encourage, particularly young professionals that I work with, say, "Look, you got to get dirty, man. You got to get dirty. You got to—you got to be in the trenches. You—you got to learn, okay, what's not working because the world is not a pleasant place sometimes. But success requires you to be able to understand that and to be able to meander through it in a way that delights the people that are paying you." You need to understand that. So there's a lot of work I think the leaders generally have to do to kind of get their heads around. How can I be their person? In fact, that would be a great little seminar you and I could put on, you know, how to be their person. Yeah. I mean, that's so important.
1: Yeah. And, you know, people, you know, call it economic uh Collateral or or whatever you want to call it, but a lot of people appreciate having the opportunity to be the guy that introduces the guy, <laughs> if if you know what I mean.
0: Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And I I know for many many years in in my core business, that's more of what I do is just simply introducing people. I hear somebody saying, "Man, I'm really struggling with this over here," and blah 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 blah, and there you go, and for me to be able to say, I know a guy, I, I've got somebody that can do that for you. I know. Yep. And, uh, you know, that, that is a huge gain. Now, did I get anything out of that transaction? No, uh, you know, not, not today, but is that person that I helped, solve their problem do they remember that oh yeah for years oh. they remember well that. It, to
0: me it's a it's an extremely important currency building tactic <clears throat> okay people need to pay more attention absolutely right you're dead on
1: yeah yeah well, Roy, you know, as we did the first time, it's hard to believe the times burned by here, but I think we're about up on our time for today. And thank you so much for coming back and sitting in. And as always, this has just been amazing. Tell folks the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in and in maybe engaging for that two-day uh, deep dive workshop to help them with their only statement.
0: Well, and, and thank you. And by the way, thanks very much for having me back. It's an absolute honor to be part of your show. Um, and I do a lot of work using Zoom, of course, and it's it's a process that we can use in in that venue. But uh, you can always contact me on my email address. It's roy.osing at gmail.com. I've got a website, bedifferentorbedead.com, and I've been blogging uh, for for many years. So There's a lot of content on there. I try and get a new blog out on my content every every week and so there's there's uh there's uh, resources there people are interested in in the books that I've written around the subject there is information there as well but I would really urge you to uh you know reach out have a have a conversation and and let's see where it goes I'd be more than happy to help
1: all right well once again thanks Roy for sitting in and uh really really do appreciate you sharing all this powerful stuff with us and with that, folks, we're going to wrap this up, say goodbye. I always like to remind people we do have a video version of this over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, leave us a comment, give us a suggestion about anything else, a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on this show. And with that, we're going to say goodbye. Go out there and make it a great day.
0: You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory
1: services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.